The Bible says that sons are a heritage from the Lord and children a reward from Him. Children are special. And children make life so much more interesting. Bill Cosby had a program that was based on a little thing that Art Linkletter had years before. It said, kids say the darndest things, and kids do. If you hang around them long enough, you'll find that uh, they have an interesting way of adding spice uh, to an otherwise boring life. For instance, little Tammy. Little Tammy was with her mom, and they were out shopping and ran into one of her mother's friends. Now, this woman was considerably older than Tammy's mother, and her face was deeply lined with wrinkles. And this was kind of interesting for Tammy. During the course of the conversation, she kept staring at the woman. And when she couldn't take it any more, she stops in the middle of the conversation and she says, Why doesn't your skin fit your face? Can't imagine what her mom felt like. Or maybe there's a summer evening when there was a thunderstorm and the mother goes and she's tucking in her, her, her son and she tucks him in and she kisses him on the head and as she gets up and gets ready to leave, she says, he goes, Mommy, can you stay in my room tonight? And she goes back and she kneels by the bed shy. She said, oh, sweetie. She said, everything's going to be fine. I need to sleep in your daddy's room. And she got up to walk out and he goes, the big sissy. After the children had all gone to bed, the mom decides she wants a little me time. She goes and takes a nice, long, hot shower, gets out, wraps a towel around her head, puts on these baggy sweatpants and an old oversized shirt, and she begins to put some of this face cream on. It's kind of a bluish-green thing, and she wipes herself. Now, while she's in the midst of all this, her three kids that she's put to sleep, you know how kids are sometimes. They just don't go to bed, and they get more and more and more rambunctious. She, She figured... I better go straighten this thing out. And she goes stomping upstairs, and she throws open the door, and all the kids are diving for the bed. Throws open the door. She sticks her head in. She said, if you kids don't go to sleep, I'm going to come back up here and give you so-and-so. And and she slams the door and walks out, and the three-year-old looks at her sister and says, who was that? (laughs) Kids are fun. Sometimes your own kids are fun. I'm not sure that was meant to be funny, but... But what about kids in church? What about children in church? There's an old expression that goes all the way back to the 15th century that says, children are to be seen, not heard. Not around my house. Maybe not around your house either. Let's face it, children are loud. Children are messy. And at least as my children grew up, they left things awfully sticky. Children have runny noses. They get handprints and footprints in places that handprints and footprints shouldn't be. They don't flush the toilet. Or they flush something down the toilet that ought not be flushed down the toilet. But the Bible tells us that children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Sadly, in many churches, they're more of a nuisance. You see, the adults, the adults, they're needed. The adults are the ones who are doing the serving. The adults are the ones who are doing the giving. And so churches figure if we're going to have the adults, 
we got to figure out something to do with these kids. And so that's exactly what they do. They figure out something to do with these kids. But instead of being appreciated for who they are as children, it's just that they're more tolerated. We'll just kind of put up with them. I don't want Grace Fellowship to be a place like that. I don't think we are. And certainly not saying that every church is like that, but maybe, you, maybe you've been connected with one or two that have been. For children really aren't valued. I'd like to call your attention to an episode that happened, oh, a couple thousand years ago that also had to do with kids. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at just, just three verses there, verses 15 to 17. Luke 18, I'll give you a moment to turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. Uh, A number of reasons for that, but one is just so that you can follow along, keep me honest. But the other is there may be something here that jumps out at you. You may want to put a notation down. You may want to come back and refer to this passage. You can mark it with your bulletin so you can come back a little bit later. Uh, But uh, it's important. But just in case you don't, we're putting the words up on the screen for you. Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 15 to 17, and it says this. People were also bringing their babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But but Jesus called the children to him, and he said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. If you go back and you look at the context in Luke's gospel, you see that some important things are happening all around this event that takes place, this real setting. And the problem I think that we have sometimes is that our our minds have been shaped and formed and uh, that when we picture these things, I'm not sure we get the right picture. In other words, our mind goes back to what we saw on the walls at Sunday school or vacation Bible school or maybe even the pictures inside a children's Bible. Our mind kind of goes to that. And if, if, if reality were based on that, then you'd always see Jesus with these pristine, clean clothes. I mean, he would be the poster boy for Tide. I mean, if he's wearing white, it's brilliant white. If he's wearing colors, they're brilliant colors. His hair is always so neatly combed. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect in the pictures. His beard, too. He's always got this gentle smile. And then, of course, there's the ever-present floating halo above his head, just in case you can't figure out which one in the picture is Jesus. They do that. And, of course, all the people are sitting around, and they have this very peaceful look of awe in their faces as they are sitting and listening to Jesus teach and the sun is shining and the skies are blue and the pastures are green and that's kind of our image of what's taking place. But reality is is very likely a lot different than that. You see, Jesus would have been teaching outside. The weather may not have been a very nice 70 degrees and everybody happy. Sometimes it got pretty hot. Sometimes it got pretty cold. Whatever it was, there they were. The clouds, the skies weren't always cloudless. The sun wasn't always shining. And there wasn't always this nice gentle breeze blowing through the area. Now, in addition to that, because it was outside, a lot of times by a roadway, people are just coming and going. There's traffic. Babies are crying. 
children are playing. And Jesus' robe's probably a little dingy from having walked to get there. His hair, windblown. And the faces all around him, they'd be the faces of common people. From the crowd, you might also hear the jeers and criticism from skeptics. This was real. Throw in a few sheep bleeding around the area, and you've probably got a much better image of what it was like. Jesus was in the real world, and his teaching took place in the real world to real people. And so here we see Jesus is is teaching, and he's just taught about two very important things, persistence in prayer and humility before God. He's taught two huge biblical truths to the people. And then we look, and what does it say? People started getting up and bringing their babies to Jesus. People started getting up and bringing their kids to Jesus right in the middle of his sermon. Right in the middle of all this wondrous heavenly teaching, people start bringing their children to Jesus. What does he do? Does he say, listen, I don't have time for this. You need to go away. No, it says he touched them. He blessed them. Now, his disciples couldn't quite figure out what was going on. His disciples got really uptight about this. They're like, hey, 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 you cut that out. Do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? Listen, could you just wait till like the end or something after the invitation and then then you can bring your kids and do whatever you need to do? Hey, hey, listen, he's really important. He's got places to go and people to see and miracles to perform. You need to just chill. Kid, please get off his back. Would you quit that? Don't don't put that Cheerio in his mouth. Oh, gosh, Peter, this is getting out of hand. They're upset about it. Here it is, parents are bringing their kids to Jesus and their kids all around Jesus and they can't quite figure it out. But Jesus doesn't go with his disciples on this one. Instead, he calls the children to himself. So not only, not only has he got the babies that the parents are bringing, now he's going, hey, all you kids, come on down. Yeah, come on. And he gathers all the kids around him. Now, I don't know if you've got it pictured in your mind that they were just standing there stiff as a board. Minding their manners, doing, you know, what adults would do. No, these are kids. And they're up there acting like kids. They're unruly. They're restless. They're chattering. They're playing with Jesus' beard. They're playing with Jesus' hair. They're playing with Jesus' robe. They're doing what kids normally do. And they're doing it all with runny noses and dirty fingernails and sticky hands. And Jesus just says, bring them on. Let the little children come. Don't don't slow them down. Don't get in their way. Don't hinder them. Let them come. Let them come. And he pronounced on them a blessing. Shalom. Peace. You see, I've got, in my office, I've, I've got a lot of books on theology, a lot of books on Jesus. Some of them have to do with the characteristics that Jesus has. You know, his holiness, his 
substitutionary death and all these other things. But nowhere in my whole catalog of systematic theology is there a category that says Jesus is fun. I believe he was. You know kids, and kids know adults. Kids have this sixth sense thing going on as to whether they like, like adults or not. Now, some kids are a little more standoffish than others, but, but let's face it. You know, you know, some kids just, they, there's some people, it's like a mall Santa. You know, kids just go to them. They just go. And, and Jesus was like that. Parents started bringing their kids to Jesus. He was approachable. He was not some stodgy prophet who didn't have time for real people. He was not some high-up religious man who didn't have time for kids. Jesus loved parent, children. He loved their parents, and he wanted them around. And instead of rebuking them as, disciples, as his disciples did, Jesus instead used it as a teachable moment for his disciples. And he said, let the little children come. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I'll tell you the truth. If you will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter into it. Now, I've heard my share of sermons on this portion of Scripture and how what attributes children have that we're to copy and emulate in our own lives. That's not really where I want us to rest this morning. It's not really what I want us to focus on this morning. What I want you to get in your mind is this image of Jesus surrounding himself with children, calling the children to himself, touching the children, valuing the children, loving the children, and even going so far as holding children up as a role model for adults. That's the Jesus I want you to get fixed in your minds this morning. And the question we need to ask then is, can we be a church like that? Can we be a church that says, let the little children come and don't get in their way? Can we be a church that doesn't merely tolerate children, but values children and cares for them and nurtures them and encourages them and equips them to go out into the real world? Because that's really what it's all about. It's not just babysitting. Listen, I've got two kids who are now out in the real world, or getting at least pretty close to it. They're in college. I don't guess college is the real world. But it's more real than living under mom and dad's roof. And it's going to get more realer in a few years. We are here to encourage and equip these children with what they need when they enter the real world. When they no longer live under mom and dad's roof. When they are on their own. When they're making their own decisions, spending their own money, setting their own priorities. i got to tell you, as a parent who is on that end of it, I'm grateful for churches that loved and taught children. And parents are here. You have my commitment that as long as I am pastor of this church, your children will be loved and cared for 
if I have to get somebody else to preach and I do it myself, let the little children come. There's hardly anything that we can do as a church other than perhaps sharing Christ. There's hardly anything we can do as a church that's any more important than this. The disciples got mad about it. They were trying to run them off. And Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, let the little children come. Now, I've got to tell you, children aren't always valued in this world. We talked about Jesus living in the real world. We live in the real world. And I'd like to share with you just how real this world is. Can I share with you just a few statistics? First of all, every 10 seconds, every 10 seconds, there's a report of child abuse in America. Every 10 seconds, those are just the ones that are reported. More than five children die every day because of child abuse. Children be valued, loved, and yet more than five a day die because of child abuse. Approximately 80% of the children who die from child abuse are under four years old. There are approximately 3,700 children in America aborted each and every day. Not year. Every day. Not month. Every day. Do you know how many children that is? I looked at Greene County statistics. The population of Greene County, 15,000 or so. 25%. Under the age of 18. Anybody want to tell me what the math is? How many under 18? Come on. Divide 15,000 by 4. Or divide it in half and then divide it in half again. Which is the way I have to do it. Is my number correct that it's 3,750? Is that right? So what we're learning is that every day... The population of children in Greene County are aborted. Jesus said children to be loved, valued. Since 1973, there have been approximately 55 million abortions in the United States. Changing gears. Atlanta is known as the number one hub of human trafficking and child sex or exploitation in the United States. Atlanta, Georgia, an hour away, is the capital of human sex trafficking. As a matter of fact, as I was reading that, um, you don't have this in your notes, but Here was was what was written there in relation to that number. Instead of traveling to Thailand, which used to be the capital, to have sex with a child, men are traveling to Atlanta. They're picked up at Hartsville-Jackson International Airport by a pimp who takes them to have sex with a child sex slave. They're then dropped back off at the airport, and they fly back home to have dinner with their families the very same night this is the real world people this is what's happening 
for many children are not just nuisance, are, are, are more than just nuisances. They're actually a commodity to be exploited. But to Jesus, they were precious. To Jesus, they are precious. And his church should reflect that attitude in the world. One of the greatest opportunities that we have at Grace is to serve children and to serve their families. And we have been blessed over these last eight years to have had some big-hearted, gracious, loving servants who have sacrificed a lot to step out of their comfort zone and to step into the nursery or into the toddler room or to work with four- and five-year-olds or to go into powerhouse and to learn some songs that maybe they didn't know and have to jump around and dance around. These people have missed worship services. They've wiped up spills. They've changed diapers, rocked babies, sung songs, and worn out countless crayons coloring pictures alongside a child. They've had children crawl all over them and leave substances, usually of a sticky nature, on them. Has it been easy? No. Convenient? No. Has it been worth it? What do you think Jesus would say? Let the little children come. There's an old English proverb that says, The soul is healed by being with children. I don't think that's just for grandparents. I think that's for all of us. Now, I must admit, children can be wearying at times. The great philosopher Jerry Seinfeld said, A two-year-old is like having a blender that you don't have the top for. (laughs) If you've had two-year-olds, I think you're well aware of that. It can be wearying to work with kids. But it should also be satisfying. It's satisfying knowing that you are contributing something, you're placing something of your life into the life of this child. You're not just babysitting you are investing yourself into the life of a child you're providing a help for parents who have kids who want to come and worship who want to come and serve you are taking care of their kids so that they can be at peace about leaving little johnny leaving little sally and being able to come and to worship you're making a difference You're following in the footsteps of Jesus who said, let the little children come. Children are so precious to Jesus that in Luke 17, Jesus warns that anyone who causes a little one to stumble, it'd be better to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be thrown into the sea. That's pretty serious. Jesus took children in his arms and he held them and he blessed them and he loved them and he loved their parents. And he rebuked anyone who would want to keep them away from him. Personally, I think Jesus would be thrilled if this place was absolutely overrun with kids and adults who love them. There are many places to serve at Grace Fellowship. We've talked about that over the course of the last few weeks. There are places to serve outside in our community. And today we're talking about places to serve inside our community. And I hope that you will... Stick around after the service. I know the Falcons have a 1 o'clock ball game today, but they're going to play the same whether you're there or not. 
Seriously, you may not believe that, but they're going to play the same. It doesn't matter. Take some time to to walk through. Don't rush through. Walk through and look at the ministry opportunities that are there. Some of them have maybe some qualifications with it. For instance, if you've kind of got administrative gifts, if you've worked with personnel kinds of issues in your business, we have a personnel team. You go, I didn't know the church had a personnel team. Yeah, we got a personnel team. You could say, hey, listen, I could do some of that. If you know how to operate, now I know this was beyond some of you, if you know how to operate your TV remote, which should be about half of you, you're qualified to work in that sound booth back there. And it's important, not just running the sound, but the video that's on the screen, the lights that you see. All this stuff is, yeah, Nancy obviously needs a replacement up there. You don't get to see this. I do. Every Sunday, I'm looking from this direction, so I see what's going on up there. You know what I see every Sunday, or virtually every Sunday? Tommy Moon on my right, my wife in the middle, and either Donna Moon or Toby Dalton on the left-hand side. That's what I see every single Sunday. And I was talking to Tommy this week. He said, not about, not about to leave, but I need some help. It's, listen, it's not that hard. Tommy can do it. <laughs> and you'll be taught. It's not like you, it's, it's not like you, you know, nobody just throw you to the lines and say, okay, here's the soundboard. Have fun with that. No, there's teaching that goes along with that. There are, if, you're, if you have the gift of hospitality, and so many of you do, uh, you could help with our hospitality team. Or perhaps you could be even be a host home for a grace group. Wouldn't that be neat that you like to have people over? Well, your grace group would love to come over to your house. Or, or just to host a social for your grace group. Or maybe you want to say, listen, I'd like to have, you know, we have beginning with grace here at the, the church on a monthly basis. I'd like to have that at my house. Could we do that at my house? There's so many different ways that you can serve. Whether you're working with the, the technical end of it, whether you're working to help out with the office work, whether you're, you're a greeter on Sunday morning or an usher on Sunday morning or, or, or singing or whatever it is, there's so many ways that you can serve and you're gifted to serve. But we've been talking about children this morning, haven't we? What is the qualification to serve with children? Very simple. One qualification. Love. If you have got some love somewhere deep within you, then you're qualified to work with kids. Now, we will put you through a background check because we believe that it is vitally important that we keep our kids safe. But if you love children, or if you think you might be able to love children, then I can think of very few places that would be a better place to serve. I like what Frederick Douglass said. He said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. That's part of our responsibility, to come alongside parents to help build strong children. And can we invest to spend our time and our energy and resources on something other than this generation coming behind us. I keep in my office something I cut out a couple of years ago from the uh, Baptist paper that comes out, the Christian Index. Some of you may get that. 
And this particular article that's kind of, they kind of did it at the, at the bottom of the paper, so it's a little wide. This particular article is entitled, entitled Defining the Generations as Who We Were and Who We Are Becoming. And they were basically looking at connections to church. And so they began by looking at the generations and the builder generation, that is those who were born before 1945. Only 35% of that generation didn't have anything to do with church, which means, if my math's correct, 65% were, were actively engaged in, in the life of a church. That's the builder generation. That's uh, what has been called the greatest generation, that pre-1945 birth uh, generation. The, the boomers, the baby boomers, we've heard so much about them. The boomer generation, born between 1946 and 1964, about 65% is unchurched. That just absolutely flip-flopped from 65% church in one generation to 65% unchurched in another generation. Huge, huge step. Now, I want you to notice the trend that's happening here because there's a trend. The buster generation, which was born between 1965 and 1976, 85% unchurched. The Bridger generation, born between 1977 and 1994, 96% unchurched. When you read statistics that says that 80% of Americans believe in God, that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not they're connected with a Christian church. Nothing. 96 percent of those born between 77 and 94 are unchurched the next generation those born 1995 and after are called the millennials the millennial generation we don't know where that's going will the trend continue will it be 97 percent 98 percent or will it be able to turn around we live in a nation folks that has radically changed. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. Wasn't that the commercial a number of years back? Of course, Oldsmobile doesn't even exist anymore. The world is changing. We may not see it as much because our friends and our family all are part of churches, but within five miles of this building, there are nearly 4,000 unchurched people. We're outnumbered. And the odds are with us. Wait a minute, didn't you just say we were outnumbered? The odds are with us. Because that means you and I have a mission field outside our door, a message to proclaim, and a Savior who's promised to go with us. Of that 4,000 people, Doing the numbers, about a 1,000 are kids. If we're serious about reaching them, what are we going to do in order to reach them? If you add to that the fact that most Christians say they came to Christ before age 18, the need to reach families and teens and children becomes even more paramount. Let me leave you one more number. Less than one quarter of Americans came to Christ after age 21. I mean, 75% of Americans who became believers, it was before age 21. 
knowing what you know, is there any better place that you could possibly serve than to serve children and parents? This morning we had an empty chair, and my apologies to Clint Eastwood, we still have an empty chair. Who will fill it? Who will step up and say, I'm the one who's called? Who will step up and say, let the little children come? I may not be ready, but I'm willing. Let them come. Folks, being a believer, we said from the very outset, it, serving is not optional. Serving is essential. We're the body of Christ and every part is important. But if Jesus were to walk in, if Jesus were to be here, you'd find him with your children and your grandchildren. I realize that they're messy and unruly. They don't always listen when you tell them something. Um, Isn't that right, Lynn? Yeah, they don't always listen. But there may be no more precious gift that God has given us than these kids. And we, as a body, are responsible for how we respond to them.